0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: God uses a very difficult situation for their good. And God will use difficulties in your life and hardship and tough seasons for your good and for my good. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28, it's one of the best known verses in the Bible for God works all things together for good. For those who love God and are called according to His purposes, right? R.A. Tori said that is a soft pillow for a troubled heart. Romans 8, 28.
0: We often have the assumption that a good life is one full of happiness and few trials or hardships. But how much more thankful are you for the good once the storms have passed? Pastor Dan reminds us today that even though we go through difficult times... God is always there to work all those horrible things together for our good. Don't get caught up in all the problematic things that life brings. Focus on God and rely on His promise that He has the best intentions in mind for you and your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 24 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Jeremiah 24. We're also going to look at 2 Chronicles 36 and uh, Leviticus 25. So if you want to find those in your Bible now, so it's easier for you to turn there uh, when the time comes. Well, you know, Jeremiah is a prophet of God sent to the southern kingdom of Judah to warn the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem to turn back to the Lord. They've turned away from the Lord. They're going after idols, and so Jeremiah had the difficult job of warning them to turn back to the Lord or face judgment. Uh, And we know from the the last few weeks, especially in Jeremiah, that God will send the Babylonians against Jerusalem, against Judah. The people of Jerusalem and Judah will be carried away into captivity for 70 years in Babylon. Babylon. And I just want to, before we look at Jeremiah 24, I want to read some verses for you out of Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, Um, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? What God is doing here with sending the people of Judah into Babylon, he's chastening them. He's correcting them. He's correcting their behavior. And he does it because he's their father and he does it because he loves them. We saw back in chapter 21 uh, that God told the people of Jerusalem to just surrender to the Babylonians, that this is God's will for you to go into captivity. The Babylonians were outside the city of Jerusalem, and the king sent messengers to Jeremiah the prophet to say, Hey, can you pray or something to get us out of this situation? And the answer that the Lord gave was, They should just surrender, because this is my will that they go into this captivity, but the people, of course, refused to do so. And so now we come to verse 1 of chapter 24, and and Jeremiah says, The Lord showed me, and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, the leaders of Judah, With the craftsmen and the smiths from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon. The Babylonians came against the city of Jerusalem in three waves. The first time they came against Jerusalem was in 605 BC under Nebuchadnezzar with his army. They returned a second time in 597 BC. And then finally, in 586, they returned and they carried off the final group of slaves to Babylon. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They burned the city of Jerusalem under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, And here in verse 1, the king Jeconiah is mentioned that he was carried away to Babylon. He's carried away to Babylon in that second wave in 597 BC. And it says again that he was carried away captive, Jeconiah, Along with the princes of Judah, the leaders of Judah, or the officials and the craftsmen and the smiths. Uh, so, if you were living in Jerusalem at that time and your last name was Smith, you got to go, right? They, the Babylonians came in and said, Every, "Everybody named Smith, come on, you're coming with us." No, uh, your your Bible might say artisans there. It's the idea of blacksmiths, coppersmiths, metalsmiths, uh, and the reason they took the craftsmen. And the smiths was to weaken the nation. To weaken the nation. So now there's no craftsmen to fortify the cities. Now there's no blacksmiths or metalsmiths to make weapons for war. There's no blacksmiths to uh, repair farm equipment. Uh, So it's affecting them commercially as well. This really just left the nation helpless. They came in. They took kind of the most uh, important people for the economy and for their defense and just left them helpless now without any way of defending themselves or preparing to defend themselves. And this vision here that Jeremiah has, it's believed to take place sometime between that second invasion and the third invasion. So we're talking about between 597 and 586. BC and we're told Jeremiah he sees two baskets of figs placed in front of the temple figs were considered the most important fruit in ancient times in Israel 16 times in the old testament figs are mentioned they're included in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 8 where God describes just how good the promised land is And in his description of the goodness of the promised land, he says, there's fig trees there. So that's something good. The fig tree became a symbol of Israel in the Bible. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus tells a parable about a fig tree in Luke chapter 13. I'll I'll read it to you. And he's talking about the nation of Israel with this parable. And he says, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well... But if not, after that, you can cut it down. It's talking about the nation of Israel. Jesus came to the nation of Israel looking for godly fruit, and he didn't find any. And he describes the nation there as a fig tree. And so fig trees were symbolic of the nation of Israel. Jeremiah sees these two baskets of figs. Uh, One basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket, had very bad figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. And so he sees this basket here. One basket, there's good figs. and the other basket, there's bad figs. And then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good. The bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. So you have in one basket, you have good figs. They're described as very good figs, like the first ripe figs. Uh, The first ripe figs are gathered up in June in the land of Israel. They're very sweet. They're considered the best figs, the most delicious figs. Uh, The usual harvest of figs is towards the end of summer, in August. Uh, The second basket contained very bad figs, or rotten figs that could not be eaten. And so now in verse 4, he goes on to explain the meaning of the good figs. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good, into the land of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. So here now you have the good figs, and he tells us the good figs represent those who are carried away to Babylon.
0: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
1: We recently launched an app for our church, and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
0: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: If we were alive in Jeremiah's day, and we were in the city of Jerusalem, and we asked the people in the city of Jerusalem, who do you think the good figs represent, and who do you think the bad figs represent? They would say the good figs represent them, those that have stayed in Jerusalem. And the bad figs represent those who've been carried away as slaves to Babylon. You see, the, their viewpoint on this would be, well, the people that are going off into captivity, those are the people who've got the bad deal. We're better off here in Jerusalem than those who are exiled uh, into Babylon. And their point of view would be wrong. The captivity, and I want you to understand this, the captivity was part of God's plan of redemption. The captivity is how God was going to work in the people of Judah. The captivity was the path of blessing, not staying in Jerusalem. And from a a human point of view, Staying in Jerusalem is the safer bet. Staying in Jerusalem looks better. It seems safer. It seems easier. But that's not God's will. Look at verse 5 again. Look at the promises God made to those carried away into the captivity. God will acknowledge those who are carried away. He says he sent them out of this place for their own good. Do you see that? For their own good. The captivity is for their good. And I want you to note this. God uses a very difficult situation for their good. And God will use difficulties in your life and hardship and tough seasons for your good and for my good. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it's one of the best known verses in the Bible for God works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, right? R.A. Torrey said that is a soft pillow for a troubled heart, Romans 8.28. And we read that verse and it says God works all things together for good. And I think sometimes we read it to mean God works some things together for good or God works most things together for good. But the verse says God uses all things for our good. He uses difficult things, difficult experiences. Like the people of Judah here, he may even uproot our lives for our good. Carry us away to a far land for our good. Now, what good came out of the captivity? Well, the reason they went into the captivity was because of their idolatry. And God is going to use this captivity to purify them. Because, see, they're going to go into Babylon And Babylon was all about idolatry. And they're going to be in Babylon for so long that they're going to get sick of idols. And when they come back from Babylon, the remnant that comes back from Babylon, they don't want to have anything to do with idols ever again. So God uses that captivity to purify them, to get this love of idols out of their system. So they don't want anything to do with idols ever again. Look at verse 6. In verse 6, God promised those who went into the exile, he promised to protect them. He said, I will set my eyes on them for good. I'll keep my eye on them. God will protect them in their difficulty that he's sending them into. He doesn't make the same promise to those who stay in Jerusalem. In fact, he he makes the opposite promise to them. He's going to destroy Jerusalem and those that are in that city. He doesn't keep his eye on them. He doesn't protect them. Because staying in Jerusalem was not his will. That was not the plan. That's not what he's doing. And listen, when you're outside God's will, you're outside his protection. That's the lesson you see with that. When you're outside God's will, you're outside God's protection. And when I'm in God's will, I'm safe. He watches over me. He protects me. And look what it says, God promises to bring them back in verse 6. He promises to bring them back to the land of Israel. So the chastening is temporary. Chastening is always temporary. Once its purpose is accomplished, it, it ends. For I will set my eyes on them for good. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down. And I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then, once he brings them back, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, that I am Yahweh. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. God, you know what he's describing here, he's going to make them a new creation, he's going to give them a new heart, a heart to know me, a heart. To know God. God's going to use this difficulty to give them a heart for him. A deeper relationship with him. Again, God uses difficulties. He uses those, those hard seasons in life. To give us a deeper relationship with him. God says they will be my people. I will be their God. And this, this is speaking of the new covenant. That God will establish through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. the new covenant in his blood. So those who went into the captivity in Babylon, they had a future and they had a hope with God. Those who did not, but stayed in Jerusalem, they didn't have a future. They didn't have a hope. Again, looking at it from the perspective of those in Jerusalem, they thought they're better off staying. They're better off than those who went into the captivity. They're safer. They thought they had it easier. But ultimately, they didn't. And for several years, actually for more than a decade, the people who stayed in Jerusalem, they thought they were right. But a decade down the road, the Babylonians show back up. And this time they show back up and they destroy the city. And they kill the people that are left in it. And then they carry a group back to Babylon as slaves. Now look at verse 8, verses 8 to 10 describe what will happen to those who stay in Jerusalem. The bad figs. And as the bad figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so bad. Surely, thus says the Lord, so will I give up Zedekiah, the king of Judah. Remember, he's the last king of Judah. His princes, the residue of Jerusalem, whatever's left in Jerusalem. Those who remain there in the land. And those who dwell in the land of Egypt, some fled down to Egypt, seeking refuge in Egypt, but they're not going to escape in Egypt. I will deliver them to trouble and to all the kingdoms of the earth for their harm, to be a reproach and a byword, a taunt and a curse and all places where I shall drive them. I will send the sword, the famine and the pestilence or disease among them till they are consumed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. Those are the people that thought they were the the good figs. (laughs) When really they're the bad figs. Chapter 24 shows us a few things. It shows us, first of all, that God's ways are not our ways. You know, our natural inclination would be stay in Jerusalem where it's safe, I don't want to go into captivity with the Babylonians. That seems horrible. But that was God's way. God's way may not look better. It may look worse. It may be difficult. We may look at God's way and think, if I do that, I'm going to be unhappy. If I do that, it's going to be hard, painful. If I do that, it's it's unrealistic for me to go and do that. And we may think, I'm better off doing something else or going some other way. It'll be easier for me. I'll be happier this way. God's way is always better. It's always better. It may be difficult, but it's always better. God's way leads to good in your life. And it leads to long-term good. God's way is part of a bigger plan that he has for your life. And it's a plan to bring you a blessed future. And so often we make decisions based on our short-term happiness. And this is what's going to make me happy. When God is looking at our long-term good, and he's looking at our future, there's something else that this chapter shows us is that the consequence for disobedience to God often comes much later. You know, they go from 597 B.C. to 586 B.C. before the consequence finally comes. So 10 years, a decade goes by before they experience the consequence for their disobedience. The consequence for disobedience to God often comes much later, sometimes years later, In this case, a decade later. And because the consequence is not immediate, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that there's not going to be a consequence. Because I I did this, I went this way, nothing happened. And then we just continue on in that disobedience. When really the consequence is coming later. You know, the Bible talks about the principle of sowing and reaping. And in sowing and reaping, you reap much later after you sow. You don't reap immediately after you sow. There's the sowing, then there's a period of time that passes, then the reaping comes. And you see that here with the people of Judah, those that stayed in Jerusalem. It can be that way with consequences to our disobedience. Now, that brings us to chapter 25. Chapter 24 was a short chapter. The book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. It jumps around a bit. Uh, so the events of chapter 25 actually occurred before the events of chapter 24. So chapter 24 chronologically precedes chapter 24. Chapter 25 is all about the judgment of God. First, the judgment against Judah and Jerusalem, and then we're going to see the judgment against the nations. He asked me how I
0: We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Jeremiah. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Dan, please visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy. And between work, school, family, and all of our other obligations, it's hard to find time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe at our website, calvaryec.com. Or just search for Ring of Truth on iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. When you call, please feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart. We'd be happy to pray with and for you. We also appreciate your prayers for this radio ministry. Please tune in next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize them.